The New York football giants have filled out their coaching staff. Kyrie Irving throwing his teammates under the bus. And the Houston Astros are cheaters, cheaters, cheaters. Let's get the damn show started. Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk, on the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. Batter up, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a garden on the phone. Here we go, Giants and Jets, Yankees and Mets, Knicks and Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. A-O-B! And please pause my fresh as we bring you all new episode of Lord A. Thompson and Matt Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, today is Monday, January 21st, 2020. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Listeners, and this show airs every Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, TuneIn, Google Play, Pocket Cast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss a goddamn thing and you can also follow me and the mad mike on social media lloyd a thompson one word instagram lloyd a thompson one word twitter l l o y d to help you out with the spelling and if you got any questions listeners that you might want us to answer on this show you can always shoot them through email to lloyd at partmyfresh.com you can send them directly to the website or you can send them to instagram and twitter as well Listeners, another great show for you today. We're going to talk some Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, as he says some interesting things to the media about his current teammates. We're going to touch upon that. The NFL playoffs are kicking as we march towards the Super Bowl. We're going to touch upon that. And the Houston Astros could very well be possibly deemed the biggest cheaters in the history of sports. We're going to touch up on that as well, as I think Major League Baseball is going to drop the ball and not punish them like they should be punished. And I'm going to tell you what I would do if I was the commissioner of baseball. So as always, listeners, let's buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo! Let's get it! How sweet it is. It's Monday. That means the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show is back. Let's go. What it do, listeners? What it do? Want to welcome you to an all-new episode of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, unfortunately, Mad Mike is not going to be available for the show today. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. This flu is going around and it's kicking people's behinds. So let's wish Mad Mike a speedy recovery. Uh, look forward to him being on next week's show. So much to talk about today. Where do I start? Well, I tell you, listeners, where I'm going to start off with this week's show, and this has been kind of itching at me for quite some time since the reports came out. I want to talk about this whole Houston Astros thing where new reports are coming out that the Houston Astros had another method of cheating. And if this is actually true, if this is actually true, the punishment that needs to be handed out to the Houston Astros organization, not only the organization listeners, 
But the players, the players that are also involved with this should be harsh, okay? Because right now, the punishment that they were given for their previous cheating scandal, dealing with the banging on the garbage cans, to me is a slap on the wrist, all right? And after Major League Baseball's damning report showing how the Houston Astros use an elaborate system of cameras, monitors, and trash cans as percussion instruments, listeners, to steal the pitching signs of opponents playing at Houston's Minute Maid Park, all right? The league suspended Houston's general manager, Jeff um, Lundnow, I think that's how his name is pronounced, excuse me, listeners, for botching that. And also manager A.J. Hinch, you know, just an hour before the Astros fired them, all right? Now, what did you expect the Houston Astros to do, to actually keep them on board? Okay? Not only that, if the general manager and the manager knew about this, you don't think that the damn organization knew about this? Okay? The two other uh, major league managers have also lost their jobs on top of this. All right, New York Mets manager Carlos Beltran, who I was actually happy for that got the Mets job, I thought he would be a player's coach and actually would get the most out of this team. I was looking forward and excited to him, man in the helm for the New York Metropolitans, all right? He got relieved of his duty. It was an amicable thing. He wanted to step down. The Mets were going to fire him. So I guess, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, we can't, we don't want this a part of our organization, and he totally understood and decided to step down. And also, Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora, all right? These new allegations, listeners, are just... <laughs> so apparently what's going on now is that there were reports that there was a system set up where players had batteries taped to their bodies, okay? Small batteries, like a watch battery, somewhere along those, those lines, taped to their bodies, okay? And it was a signal that was given to them to let them know whether a fastball was coming or an all-speed pitch were coming, was coming. Now, this whole thing was orchestrated by a camera that was positioned in the center field area of the ballpark that was somehow... Or not that was somehow, that was capturing the signs that the catcher was giving to the pitcher, okay? That camera then related to the whole monitor system that they had set up in the dugout and um, was transferring, okay, transferring signals, buzzing the players, letting them know what was coming. Now, there's no way on God's green's earth, all right, that when Al Jose Altuve hit that home run, the first thing that popped in my mind, listeners, the first thing that popped in my mind was he knew that was coming. He knew it was coming. It was a bad pitch. It was up in the zone. Okay, our good friend Joe Rivera mentioned that, and he's absolutely right. You know, he should have jumped all over that pitch. He should have. It was a bad pitch and it was a hanging pitch. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, listeners. When somebody throws a 100-plus mile-an-hour fastball, okay, it wasn't like he was facing a pitcher that throws in the 80s 
or even the 90s, he was facing a pitcher that throws over 100 miles an hour. 100 miles an hour. It is very difficult to look for fastball and adjust the curveball, adjust to all speed. He was right on that pitch. Right on that pitch. And what I mean by right on that pitch, for those that don't know, when I say right on that pitch, the signs of a good hitter, okay, is if you're expecting one pitch and another pitch is thrown, you're always taught that as long as you keep your hands back, you can still get good wood on the bat and still drive the ball, okay? And what I mean by keep your hands back, is that you can step out or, or step on your front foot. But if you keep your hands back, you can still drive through the ball. On that particular pitch, he was not on his front foot. Not on his front foot. It was almost... <laughs> Listen this. Do you understand what I'm saying to you guys right now? Do you really understand what I'm saying to you right now? It was almost, he was on that pitch like white on rice. White on rice. Okay? White on rice. So, yeah, Major, and Altuve is a hell of a ball player, not taking anything away from him. Hell of a ball player. But I'm telling you, as a baseball player myself, if I know you're throwing a fastball, yeah, there's a chance I may pop it up. There's a chance I may ground out. But the odds of me getting good wood and timing that pitch is a lot greater than if I'm sitting up at the plate and I'm thinking you're going to throw me a curveball and you throw me a fastball. Or I think you're going to throw me a fastball and you throw me a curveball. This is shameful if this is actually true. Now, Major League Baseball, in my opinion, but. <laughs> Let me, let me get back on my thought. Let me get back on my thought before I go to what I feel Major League Baseball should do, listeners. Let me get back to this. So after Altuve hits the home run, okay? After Altuve hits the home run, as he's rounding the bases, the camera then homes in on him, and you can see him telling his teammates as he's approaching home plate, do not rip my jersey. He's waving his finger, no, no, no. Don't rip my jersey. And then he clinches his jersey as he gets to home plate. Why would he say that? Why would he do that? I'll tell you why, listeners. Because if that's any indication on if he's guilty or what's being reported, then yes, he's damn guilty. He's guilty in my opinion. Why would you go through all that if the reports weren't true? Then on top of that, you hit a game-winning home run that puts your team in the World Series. Celebrations should be all over the place. Gatorade, water, being poured, all that kind of stuff. What does Jose Altuve do? Goes right to the dugout. Goes right to the dugout. He doesn't even celebrate. Goes right to the dugout. Then he comes out of the dugout. And the reporter, that I forgot, I think it was Ken Rosenthal, who usually covers the game, games, the playoff games. And, and you know, um, he asked Jose Altuve, asked him, what did you do? Why was you doing that? What did you say? What did you mean when you was coming to home plate 
and you was telling your teammates not to rip your jersey. You want to know what this dude's response was, listeners? This dude's response was somewhere along the lines that he didn't want his wife to see him without a shirt on again, or he told his wife he wasn't going to be seen without a shirt on again, somewhere along those lines. Give me a damn break. Give me a damn break. If that wasn't one of the most asinine responses that you can give for something like that, come on, Major League Baseball, get it right. Get it right. We talk about the whole trash can thing. They admitted to doing that. You want to know what Major League Baseball gave them for this? They gave them a $5 million fine, $5 million. What in the hell is $5 million to a Major League Baseball team? Even a team in Major League Baseball that's producing the least amount of revenue. $5 million is nothing. They gave them a $5 million fine, took away two draft picks. Now, listeners, draft picks in baseball is not like draft picks in professional football. They're not like draft picks in professional basketball. In professional basketball and professional football, Number one draft picks come out and they make, you know, they're, they're expected to make immediate impacts on a team that they're drafted by. The difference with baseball is, and I can tell you firsthand because I was drafted to play professional baseball, there's only one player, listeners, in Major League Baseball, to my knowledge, that has gone straight from being drafted to the pros, and that was Dave Winfield. Correct me if I'm wrong, look it up, find out if there's another player other than Dave Winfield that this has happened to, and please reach out to me through our social media websites and, and tell me, Lloyd, you're wrong. It was this person, and next, during next week's show, during next week's show, I'll correct myself. But to my knowledge right now, Dave Winfield is the only player. So taking two draft picks away for them, it's not going to do anything because a, being that they went to the World Series, they're picking almost dead last. It's not like football, not like basketball, listeners. You're not going to find an impactful baseball player at the back end of the draft. They're snatched up early, and even the ones that are snatched up early, they're in the minor leagues for a couple years before they even sniff the majors. Before they even sniff the majors. Now, am I salty? You damn right I'm salty. I'm a Yankees fan. And why do I say I'm salty? Because of two years that the Yankees were knocked out of the playoffs, listeners. They were knocked out by the Houston Astros. Think about that. The Houston Astros. Not only... Were they knocked out by the Houston Astros this past playoff series against the Houston Astros? All the games that the Houston Astros were, won were in their home ballpark. They didn't win one game at Yankee Stadium. I think they won one. Matter of fact, I'm sorry, listeners. They did win a game at Yankee Stadium. They did win a game at Yankee Stadium. But they closed it out at Minute Maid Park. Closed it out. And 
Here's some more information for you. As good as a player as Jose Altuve is, his batting average while at home compared to his batting average on the road is completely different. Completely different. And I'm not talking about a matter of 10 points, 20 points. I'm talking about over 100 points or close to 100 points. His teammate Alec Bregman was also accused of doing that. Then they also have a picture of Alex Bregman doing um, an interview that he was doing, the playoff series that they beat the Yankees this past season. And it looked like he had a piece of tape that he forgot to remove from his chest. But it's saying, reports is it's confetti. That's what they're saying, it's confetti. Talk about killing the integrity of Major League Baseball. This is the truth. I was talking to a listener, and he was telling me that Major League Baseball knew about steroids. It wasn't until they had to crack down because it started coming out to the forefront that they had to crack down on it. But who wasn't excited to see Maguire versus Sosa for the home run title? Who wasn't excited about that? Baseball didn't care who was shooting themselves in the ass with needles to hit the ball further. That ch- that's saying chicks did the long ball. I don't know if chicks did the long ball, but fans dig it. Fans dig it. Major League Baseball has got to do something about this. Now, you want to know what I suggested they do? You want to know what I would do if I was a commissioner of Major League Baseball? I wouldn't find them $5 million. I wouldn't take away two draft picks. I would do exactly along the lines of what the NCAA does when players violate the NCAA rules. I would take away those World Series, that World Series title that Houston won. I would take that away from them. And I wouldn't allow them to make the playoffs for two years. And Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve suspended without pay for the entire year. And if you get caught cheating again, you're out of baseball. Out of it. You got to do something to let players know that this is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. And then moving on to Alex Cora, who coached the Boston Red Sox, they beat the Yankees. This is, this is ugly, this is ugly, and baseball needs to get it right. In my opinion, I don't necessarily think baseball knows how to punish players. They got it right, they finally got it right with the, with the, with the PED suspension format, okay? I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at what they have in place for domestic violence. I'm not mad at that. But they got to do something about this, listeners. They got to. They cannot let this go. They can't. $5 million and two draft picks is nothing. As I like to say, that is hot caca. Sugar honey iced tea. Because I don't like the curse. Get this right, man. Get this right. And they're not. They're not. They're not. And then Jose Altuve has a nerve to come out and say 
that they're going to win the World Series in 2020? After all this BS that you're being accused of? Sometimes it's best just to keep your damn mouth shut and not say nothing at all. Don't say nothing. Just shut up. S-T-F-U. Hey, man. <laughs> I got to say, CC Sabathia, he sent a tweet out after Jose Altuve said this where there's a metal detector and he's what he's like on an on-deck batter. He's like on an on-deck circle before you go to get up to the plate to hit. And CC sent a, 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 a meme of a, of, of a metal detector that he has to walk through before he goes to the plate. Now, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. And now you have Major League Baseball players coming out and talking against it. This can get ugly. It can get ugly. They have to do something about it. What they're doing right now, listeners, is not enough. Not enough. That's my thoughts on what's going on with this whole damn thing. A buzzer, listeners. A buzzer. A buzzer. That's letting them know what pitch is coming. Unbelievable. And, and just a coach and a general manager is going. The organization knew. The organization knew. The players knew. The players knew. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I, I'm sure at some point I may bring this up again. Um, it might come up next week, listeners, because, again, I'm sure Mad Mike has his thoughts on this. Um, it's interesting that Joe Rivera, and I respect his opinion a great deal, um, you know, came out and said, you know, um, I gather he's kind of like, what are you crying for? You know, he, he, hit, he hit a pitch either way, whether he was buzzed or not buzzed. He had a pitch. And like I said, listen, this, it was, a, it was an awful pitch. It was a hanging slider. But I've also seen hanging sliders, hanging curveballs, hanging breaking balls in general just get barely missed by professional baseball players. And why do they barely miss pitches? Because they don't know what's coming. And even when they know what's coming, sometimes you can still miss it. He was on that pitch. Too much on that pitch for my belief and my opinion. I mean, you know, they say, you know, innocent to proven guilty. Hey, man. I hate to throw the book at somebody, but I'm throwing the book at his ass. Guilty is charged. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Enough about that. Let's move on to, to Kyrie Irving, listeners. This dude, man, no matter where he goes, the last couple stops, the Boston Celtics and now the Brooklyn Nets, this dude just can't shut up and play basketball. And it's a shame because he's a talented player and he's a player that I wanted to be on the Knicks. More so because I knew it grant us, it would give us Kevin Durant. So I pushed for it. I pushed for it. 
But Kyrie Irving said more things that will probably make his next teammates upset with him. And Kyrie Irving doesn't think that him and Kevin Durant are enough for the Nets. Now you're talking about a Nets team that had D'Angelo Russell last year that made it to the playoffs, and although they got beat up by the Philadelphia 76ers, they came out and won game one. And you know the saying, if something ain't broke, don't try to fix it. And the Nets, granted, look, I, I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at them. They fix it by getting two of, of two of the most elite basketball players in professional basketball today. Yes, Kevin Durant is an elite basketball player, and I would say Kyrie Irving is an elite basketball player. But three games, listeners, into his return from a two-month injury where he missed 20-plus games, Kyrie Irving said that he thinks the Nets need more talent. Are you serious? You missed 20-plus games. Your teammates went out there and gave their all for 20-plus games without you? You come back three games, and this is what you say? After an 11-point loss to the Sixers. I watched it. He Listen, he was asked... You know, what his team needs to do to reach the championship, to reach, I'm sorry, a championship level contention. And Kyrie Irving responds that the Nets are one or two pieces away, even with Kevin Durant, from achieving that. And this is what he was quoted as saying, listeners. I wrote it down in my notes. This is quoting Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving says, collectively, I feel like we have great pieces. But it's pretty but it's pretty glaring. We need one or two more pieces that will complement myself, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, and we'll see how that evolves. <sighs> now, I mean, listen. He did preface with compliments for his teammates saying, again, quoting Kyrie Irving, we have complimentary young guys that have done a great job the last three years, but those young players were noticeably absent from the list of vets. All right? Irving clearly sees that the key pieces for next year's title run, could Irving follow LeBron James' footsteps and... You know, coercing his team to deal prospects for vets? Could that be the message that was being sent out? That he's telling front office that what we currently have on this team is not going to get it done? And telling management without telling management that what we have is not going to crack it? We need something else? Why does Kyrie Irving feel that this team isn't enough as is? And that's the biggest question. The biggest question is why Kyrie Irving thinks his team is insufficient as is. You know, you figure, you know, you figure KD and Irving is probably enough to crack the top three or four 
with merely league average around the talent in a shallow Eastern Conference. We're talking about the Eastern Conference. We're talking about a team that made the playoffs last year without either one of those players. Either one of them. The Eastern Conference is hot garbage. And this is why I said when the Knicks, con when they constructed this mess of a team that they have right now, I literally thought, listeners, that they had a good enough shot to make the playoffs because of how bad the Eastern Conference is. You got Milwaukee running away with the, with the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee. All right, then maybe you might can throw Toronto in that conversation, but Philly's not playing well, listeners. And then who else is there? Indiana? Orlando? Miami? Give me a damn break. Give me a break. Give me a break. And I would go on record to say that I believe that the Nets have better than league average talent on their current roster. Better than league average. They were winning basketball games when he was sitting his behind on the bench for 20-plus games. Better than league average talent on, the, on this team. Good enough in the Eastern Conference to make the playoffs, in my opinion. And this would be a ludicrous statement, even before the season started. But it's even more so, listeners, in January, given, again, Kyrie Irving's injury circumstances. How could, how could he possibly know how good this team really is? He hasn't even been on the court to play with them. And this next season has been even messier than expected. He's not around. He doesn't travel with the team at times. And we knew Kevin Durant would miss the entire season because he's recovering from his Achilles. And in turn, the Nets were supposed to enjoy a run to the playoffs as the team studied how the rest of the core fits around its next best star. And that next best star is Kyrie Irving. But he missed 26 straight games to shoulder injury. He's only played in 14 games, listeners. That is nowhere near a big enough sample size for him to assess what Brooklyn has. And if we were even breaking down the numbers, if we wanted to break down the numbers, which again are small samples, the Nets have been slightly better without Kyrie Irving anyway. In 14 games with him, they're 5-9, being outscored by two points per 100 points. I'm sorry, two points per 100 possessions. Without him, they're 13 and 13, being outscored by 1.6 points per 100 possessions. I say that to you one more damn time, listeners. The Nets are playing 500 basketball without Kyrie Irving, and they're playing below 500 basketball with Kyrie Irving. It's hard to put blanket statements over this Brooklyn Nets team because we've hardly seen a bulk of their roster play with their second best player. And more importantly, we haven't seen them play at all 
with a generational superstar. Kevin Durant changes the equation, you know, to a degree. We can't come, we, we can't currently predict that. But how can this quote sit well with his teammates? Look, the NBA is at a point, listeners, where superstars have maximized their power. Any young player in the next locker room has seen what Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, now Kyle Kuzman went through in L.A. The Lakers had no problem dangling their top prospects for superstars. And LeBron James had an influence in that happening. Now any net, in my opinion, must think that Kyrie could have him going next. Either way, that has to be a crappy feeling. But it hurts more coming from a player who's only worn a Nets jersey 14 damn times ever. Especially since Irvin's recent track record with teammates is Harley Stella. Harley Stella, we're talking about his stay with the Celtics. Look at how that team is playing with Kimball Walker there. Look at how they're playing. Enough said. And you want to say, could this blow over? I think it can. And Irvin talks often, and maybe, you know, this all gets cleared up behind scenes and everyone moves on with their day. Or maybe this is the start of something big all over again. Never know. This dude always has a bizarre string of quotes. And this is what Kyrie, this is what Kyrie Irving was quoted as saying. Listen, is just listen to this. All right, this is quoting Kyrie Irving. It's not like I'm an ass yelling at everybody in the freaking locker room all the time. You know, it's harsh as a leader, or it's too much for anybody. You're not in our locker room. Stay the f out. What? <sighs> Boy, I tell you, man, playing in a new city is Irvin's chance to, you know, to prove his leadership image, to change his image to fans, to other NBA players. I don't think this is a great start. I don't think this is a great way to do it. I really don't. Again, man, you haven't been on the court long enough to come out and start saying this. If you played in every single game and you felt this way, I think I would be a lot more acceptable of it. But playing an amount of games you played in thus far, no way, Jose. No damn way. Listeners, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NFL football as the New York football giants have hired their offensive coordinator. I'm going to tell you who that person is. And there was some NFL playoff football that went down also. So we'll be right back on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my name is DJ A.O., the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show. Hope Mad Mike is feeling better by the time we get back to the show next week. But check this out real quick. Instead of a regular commercial break, I just want to let everybody know that I have a brand new song. It's called Y'all Knew That. And it features the artist B-Keys. I produced the song. It's available everywhere, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Amazon. 
YouTube, Twitter, wherever you listen to music, check it out. DJ AO, y'all knew that, featuring B Keys. Now I'm gonna play the song in its entirety after the show, right? So instead of a regular commercial break, we're gonna get right back to Lloyd. We're gonna let him talk about what's going on in the football world. Super Bowl, of course, is coming up. And then at the end of the show, tune in. Y'all knew that by DJ AO. That's myself featuring B Keys, all right? Let's get back to Lloyd. Mad Mike, what up? Let's go. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson of Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, the first half of the show, I gave my opinion on the Houston Astros being damn cheaters. And I also gave my opinion on Kyrie Irving just needing to shut up, play basketball, and kind of get your act together, man. Get your act together. Too good of a ball player to be moving the way that he's moving right now. But at this point in the show, listeners, or, or this portion of the show, I want to talk about the New York football giants, okay, as they're filling out their coaching staff, all right? And a lot to, listen, there's one coach, the offensive coordinator, that a lot of people really didn't want the giants to hire. And I'm not, I'm not really upset with this hire at all, okay? And that person goes by the name... Of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, yes, listen, it's Jason Garrett that used to coach the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not mad at that move. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to some of my friends and some of my friends like, hey, man, if the Giants hire Jason Garrett, I'm no longer going to be a Giants fan. I'm going to become a Buffalo Bills fan or a Dallas Cowboys fan. Listen this. Do you realize the offensive coordinators and coaches that we've had the last several years? Pat Shermer? Ben McAdoo? Really? Can he be any worse than those two guys? This Giants coach, Joe Judge, today, I mean, I'm sorry, not today. Well, I, I mean, a few days ago, listeners, a few days ago, he's rounding out the coaching staff. He announced three most significant members of his coaching staff. All right, we called for Pat Shermer's job, and that happened. We called for James Betcher's job, and that happened. We also called for Dave Gettleman's job. That didn't happen. The cancer is still moving around, listeners, in the Giants organization. And we may not have wanted Joe Judge to be the Giants' next head coach, but he is, okay? He is. We wanted Mike McCarthy. That didn't happen. Everybody was saying Matt Wool. That didn't happen. So here we are, Joe Judge, okay? I tell you this much, like I said on last week, so if this dude... If the Giants finish, if they start the season 0-3 and 0-4, imagine what the back pages of the New York newspapers are going to read. And imagine how you fans are going to feel. You're going to want them fired. Going to want them fired. But the three most significant members of his coaching staff, listeners, were hired. Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator. Patrick Graham for the Miami Dolphins, defensive coordinator. And Thomas McGagney's special teams, Graham will also serve as an assistant head coach. 
Okay, and Joe Judge was quoted as saying, we're setting out to develop, you know, tough and really sound, a tough and really sound football team, and that's going to start with coordinators setting the tone in each room. He also was quoted as saying, each one has experience, each one has the ability to run multiple schemes, put the pressure on the opponent, and each one is an excellent teacher. Now, just to give you a little bit, Jason Garrett is a former Giants backup quarterback who recently completed a 10-year stint as a Dallas Cowboys head coach. All right, He was Dallas's offensive coordinator from 2007 until his appointment as head coach midway through the 2010 season. And listen, like the Cowboys consistently had one of the most NFL's most productive offenses under Garrett. In 2019, listeners... Dallas had a league-high average of 431 yards a game. And they averaged five-plus yards per play. The Cowboys were second in the NFL in passing yardage at 296 yards per game, I'm sorry, and fifth in rushing with 134 yards, and that was top for second, and they were top for second and third down conversions percentage at 47.1 with a 96 success rate and 204 opportunities and six with an average of 27 points per game that is hats off listeners hats off when has McAdoo done that when has Sherman done that and you don't want this man as your offensive coordinator I, listen, that continued a trend of offensive excellence, you know, by Dallas during, listen, Garrett's tenure. Think about it. The top-rated offense recently concluded a season, marked the eighth time the Cowboys have finished in the top ten with Garrett as either the coordinator or head coach. They were second in 07 and 09, 10th in 2010, 2013, 6th in 2012, 7th in 2014, 5th in 2016. Garrett visited the Giants training center last week, spent much of the day meeting with Joe Judge. And think about this, listeners. Under Garrett's tutelage, quarterbacks Tony Romo and Dak Prescott, running backs DeMarco Murray and Ezekiel Elliott, wide receivers Mal Austin, Des Bryant, Amari Cooper, tight end Jason Witten, and numerous offensive linemen have become pro ball players or, 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 or are currently pro ball players. Pro ball. Pro ball, I'm sorry. Pro ball players. And there's reports. Okay, Jason Witten, who's a free agent, there's a pause that he might follow Jason Garrett to the Giants. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen because I, I can't, it'd be odd to see Jason Witten play, put on any other uniform than the Dallas Cowboys uniform. But let me tell you something. Newsflash, listeners, when coaches respect players and players respect coaches, players will follow. Players will follow. They'll follow. 
And Garrett's teams were 85 and 67 in the regular season and won NFC titles in 2014, 2016, 2018. And he was coach of the year in 2016. Is that really a terrible resume? Is that a bad resume? And he's going to take over offense that includes two players chosen in the top six in the last two NFL drafts. And that's running back Saquon Barkley in 2018. He won NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was taken with the second overall pick. And Daniel Jones, the number six selection in this past draft, who threw for 3,000 yards, listeners, and 24 touchdowns in 13 games. 12 starts as a rookie. 3,000 yards. And 24 touchdowns. I still don't think he's elite. I still don't think he was worth the sixth pick. That's not a bad season. He could be on the up and up. I still don't think he'll ever be an elite quarterback. I think he'll be good enough where if you surround him with, a, with, with enough talent that he can possibly lead a team to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's out of the question. I'm not saying that's out of the question at all. And when you talk about the defensive coordinator, Graham, you know, they ran a bunch of different schemes. Different. Listen, he turned 41. He, he joins the Giants with 11 years of NFL coaching experience with four teams. He has coached in the playoffs in eight, in, in eight of these seasons, been a part of teams that have won seven division titles, two conference championships, and one Super Bowl. All right? He was a Giants assistant coach. He was Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator in 2019. And not for nothing, listeners, he led a unit that had a consistently changing cast of available players because of roster transactions and injuries. Miami pretty much traded every damn player away that had any value. That's tough. And the change was particularly pronounced in the secondary, where only one of the training camp <laughs> one training camp starter, listeners. Safety, safety Eric Bowe played in all 16 games. And this unit's best player, former first-round draft pick, Mika Fitzpatrick, was traded to Pittsburgh on September 17th. Cornerback Xavier Howard played five games before going on the injury reserve list with the knee injury. Safeties Rashad Jones, a two-time pro bowler, Bobby McNair appeared in four and nine games respectively. Before they were placed on the injury reserve on the same damn day. Two linemen released by the, by the Giants in, on August 31st, Avery Moss, John Jenkins started a total of eight games. And despite the changes, listeners, Graham had this defense 
Miami went, they won five of his last nine games after 0-7 start. And one of their losses was to the Giants. And on, his, on the final game of the season, the Dolphins beat the New England Patriots that cost the Patriots home field of a first-round bye. First-round bye. I've seen that game. Seen that game. Graham's defense limited the Pats to 352 yards, 18 first downs, and three third-down conversions. Now, look, I'm not saying he's a saving grace. I'm not saying Jason Garrett is a saving grace. But I, you know what? I'm more excited to see them. Hopefully we switch to this 4-3. We'll see. He kind of mixes things up. 4-3, things. He mixes things up. But let's also point out that numerous young defenders at Miami improved significantly under Graham's tutelage. All right, that included linebackers Jerome Baker, who led the team with 124 tackles. When's the last time you ever heard of a damn New York Giants middle linebacker having over 124, 100 plus total tackles? Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce, if I'm wrong, correct me again, listeners. And Waycron McMillan. Vince Beagle was acquired in a trade for Kinko Alonso. Tackle Christian Wilkins, Miami's first-round draft choice last year. All played well. All played well. And prior to joining the Dolphins, listeners, you know, Graham spent the 2018 season as the Green Bay Packers inside middle linebackers coach and defensive run coordinator, all right? He helped linebacker Blake Martinez have the best year of his career to date, 144 tackles. 91 of them were solo and five sacks, career highs. Listen, get, you understand what I'm saying. When, when players appreciate coaches, they go to where they are. Now, I'm not saying Blake Martinez is going to come to the Giants. I'm not saying any of those players I named are going to come to the Giants. You don't know. But it's about respecting your coaches, respecting them. And when players respect coaches and players appreciate what coaches have done for them for their playing career, they go to where they are. They go to where they are. Graham spent 2016 and 2017 in the Giants organization as a line coach. All right, he did help Jason Pierre-Paul. Snacks Harrison. He literally helped this team, this Giants team, you know, become the most improved in the NFL when he was there. The team allowed 148 fewer points. And he began his career coaching with the New England Patriots. For whatever reason... People seem to, you know, people think when you coach under Bill Belichick, you're gold. You're golden. You're golden. So let's see what happens. The Giants have a lot of money to spend in the offseason. How Gettleman spends his money remains to be seen. 
I'm not. He's done it to me. He's done a terrible job as a general manager. And this has to listen. I thought I thought he should have been fired. Out the door. I hate to say thrown on his behind. But he should have been fired and thrown on his behind out of out of out of diagnostic out of diagnostic quest training facility. But for whatever reason, the Giants owners are giving him another shot. Telling you, man, the, the Knicks and the Giants, twins, they're turning the twins. The Giants are vastly becoming a joke of an organization. I tell you, get, listen, Gettleman better hope, he better hope that this team is able to turn around this coming season. He better hope. Better hope. Before we move on to the NFL playoffs, I want to talk about, you know, the, the, the championship game, the college championship game where LSU won. Great game, by the way. Really good game. And I want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr., who now has a warrant out for his arrest for smacking a security cop in the ass while in LSU's locker room. And he was also seen handing out money to players after the game. Oh. Boy, I tell you, man. Boy. I don't understand this dude. I don't. I don't get it. I'm speechless. I really am. Does he not know that he can have this national title championship taken away from these young men by his antics, by handing out money on the field? Does he not know at some point LSU, former LSU players, he could have ruined it where they, probably, they, where they may not be allowed on the sidelines in the locker room ever again because of him? It's not always about you, Odell. It's not. And you need to stop trying to make it about you, man. Stop it. You know, the odd, the odd thing about this, listeners, is I feel that you know, the New York Giants made Odell Beckham Jr. Wholeheartedly believe that. He would not be who he is right now if it wasn't for the New York football Giants. No question about his talent. No question about his athletic ability. No question that he is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Hands down. But when he was with the New York football Giants, listeners. As bad as a football team as the New York Giants are, they're still relevant. Still relevant. One of the capital medias in the world. 
commercials, sneaker deals, appearing on ESPN, all that kind of stuff. Is he doing that crap now? Now that he's with Cleveland? Granted, he had an awful season. Awful season. He's not going to get that kind of attention wearing a Cleveland Browns uniform, which is probably why he doesn't want to be there no more. This is probably why he wants out of there. Because he knows he's not going to get that limelight attention there. And not only that, you got Baker Mayfield there. You got Jarvis Landry there. Nick Chubb there. Miles Garrett there. When he was with the Giants, you know, him and Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley seems to be a humble young man. Thus far, you know, you don't see anything in the newspaper about him doing any sideways nonsense or nothing like that. He's kept his nose clean thus far as a New York Giant and said all the right things. Despite having an awful season. Look, nobody likes to lose. Nobody likes to lose. And I'm sure this past season was tough on him. But he still never threw in his teammates under the bus. And always managed to say the right things in the media. And he finished with over 1,000 yards. I didn't think he was going to do it. But he made a pretty rough season, a pretty decent season. By finishing for over 1,000 yards. But come on, Odell, man. Get, get it together. Get it together. And one other quick news flash, Drew Rosenhaus, the powerful... NFL agent dropped Antonio Brown and said that if Antonio Brown gets his act together, he'll sign him again. Now, here's my thing. I don't know if I would necessarily have made that public. You know, Antonio Brown is going through some things right now, listeners. In my opinion, I think he's battling some demons. I really do. You know, the roof has crumpled in on him. And when you go from being the man to everybody quote-unquote jocking you to nobody paying you no mind, nobody want to be bothered with you, that's tough. And I think he's having a hard time dealing with that. And I pray and hope that he gets himself together because he's another talented football player. Top five receiving the NFL, in my opinion, when, he's, when he has on that helmet and shoulder pads. Has to get his act together as well. Has to. But before we close out the show, listeners, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy listening to my voice. Hope I'm not boring you. Let's talk some playoff football. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs, all right, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl after beating the Tennessee Titans. You know, what would have been a third straight stunning upset in these AFC playoffs by the Tennessee Titans. I didn't think Tennessee, I predicted that Kansas City was going to win. I didn't think they was going to beat. Um, I didn't think Tennessee was going to beat. Um, Kansas City, and I did say that Tannehill had to throw for over 100 yards in order for that to happen. He threw for over 100 yards, but they kind of shut 
Henry down. Now, here's the thing, listeners. Before I dive deeper into this game, I just want to point this out here. All right. They scored 17 points in the first half. All right. Nothing was going on with Ryan Tannehill. Why didn't they bring in Marcus Mariota? It's do or die. It's do or die at this point. Mariota, in my opinion, brings more to the table than Tannehill with the simple fact of him being able to move around the pocket. Adds a different element. I thought they dropped the ball with that, listeners. I do. I thought that they should have bought in Marcus Mariota maybe midway third quarter-ish because they were still in the game at that point. Still in the game at that point. And Pat Mahomes, man, this kid is brilliant. He threw for three touchdowns, ran for another. Listen, the, the, the Chiefs have a generational quarterback, man, and are headed back to the Super Bowl for the first time in multiple generations. This kid is special. This kid is special. And this is the Chiefs' first Super Bowl appearance since January 1970. And it will be their first Super Bowl appearance for Mahomes. The league's MVP in 2018. He may win the MVP this season. And he made a rapid recovery this season from a dislocated right kneecap. I didn't think he was going to come back this year. He returned to the lineup after missing only two games. And now he's headed to the Super Bowl. Threw for 294 yards, 23-35. And the Chiefs succeeded where they fell last season when they lost the AFC title game at home in overtime to the Patriots. He also rushed for 53 rushing yards. And while I'm talking about him rushing for 53 rushing yards, I just want to bring up the comparison between him and Lamar Jackson. Okay, Pat Mahomes is a quarterback, a pocket passer that can move around and run. Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback that's not so much a pocket passer. You see where I'm going here with this? The reason why Tennessee beat Baltimore is because they made Lamar Jackson a pocket passer. They took away his strength, which is running the ball. Pat Mahomes, completely different. His damn strength is throwing the ball, and he's just as good at running the ball. Not Lamar Jackson good, but NFL good for a quarterback for running the ball. This kid had two first-half touchdown passes, wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Listen, Tennessee came out again, firing. Jumped out to 10-zip leads, up 17-7. And then here come the Chiefs again. Offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who nobody wanted to give, nobody's given a, a, a look at as far as a, a coaching opportunity. They took their first lead, 21-17, on a dazzling 27-yard touchdown run by Mahomes, 11 seconds before halftime. That's a momentum changer right there. 
He made at least four to my remembering that play, listeners. He made at least four Tennessee Titan defenders miss him. Four. And Damon Williams provided a three-yard touchdown run on the second play of the fourth quarter. Mahomes threw a 60-yard touchdown pass. The wide receiver Sammy Watkins. Chiefs made it 28 straight points after trailing 17-7. I mean, Tennessee scored the cosmetic touchdown after converting a fake punt pass into a first down. And we're talking about a team that overcame a 24-0 deficit the previous weekend against the Texans in the divisional playoff round. And for other teams falling behind the Titans with their potential, with their potent running game. And that was a mistake that couldn't be overcome, but for the Chiefs, it was no big deal. And I said it no big deal because their offense, man, boom, 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 boom. Kudos to the Tennessee Titans. Got to give them their props. You know, they came one upset side being the NFL's third number six seed to reach the Super Bowl. The Pittsburgh Steelers did it in the 26th. Packers did it in the 2011. I thought things were promising against the, you know, the second seed of Chiefs in the first half. Henry ran for a four-yard touchdown after taking a direct snap. But the Titans couldn't close the deal this time. Couldn't. And again, like I said, listeners, I felt that they should have put in Marcus Mariota at some point. Midway through the third quarter, when they were still in, it just didn't seem to be clicking with Tannenhill. Didn't. I thought a change needed to be made. And they just didn't have, simply have enough answers for Mahomes. Didn't. And congratulations to Chiefs coach Andy Reid. All right? He gets another chance. He was dealing with the Philadelphia Eagles. He lost his lone Super Bowl, you know, appearance 15 years ago to the Patriots. So we'll see what happens. See what happens. Whoo! And obviously, listeners, with Mad Mike feeling under the weather, we don't have a rant for the week. But like I said, hopefully he feels better and he's be able to give you his rant next week. And with that being said, listeners, that's going to bring us to a close of this week's show on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Me and Mad Mike want to thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for supporting us. And please spread the word to your family, friends, and loved ones. Let them know about this show. Let them know how great this show is. Tell them to give us a listen. All we ask is for a chance, an opportunity. I'm not begging you. I don't beg. But I'm asking you, just spread that news. That's why I always say, start spreading the news. And I also want to thank our producer, A.O. Omar Baker, for keeping this thing rolling. Hey, listeners, you got you, you to gotta support A.O. He's a bad man with that with, Behind the wheels of steel and producing tracks, man. He just produced another hot single. I advise you to, to, to check him out, man. Check him out and support him. So, listeners, with that being said, please 
Have a safe and blessed week. And me and the man Mike will see you in seven days. So, hey, yo, let's roll, baby. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, Lloyd. Great show. Riding solo this week. Hope Mad Mike gets better real soon. A lot of people are getting sick right now, so feel better. Happy MLK Day to everybody that's in ears reach. Checking out the, the podcast here. Brand new episodes, of course, of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show drop every single Monday. LloydAThompson.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, things of that nature. Tell a friend to tell a friend that it's them again. Now, as Lloyd mentioned, I have a brand new song that I produced. It's called Y'all Knew That. And it features an artist by the name of B. Keys. I've been on tour with the homie a couple of times. Good friend of mine as well. So it was dope. I'm going to play it for you right now. And you can check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, Title, wherever you listen to music, YouTube. Once again, DJ AO. The name of the song is Y'all Knew That. So I'm going to get it on right after I finish closing up the show. But again, make sure you subscribe to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Show. Every Monday, brand new episodes drop. It's the best damn sports show, period. And I don't mean them guys. I mean us. So we'll catch y'all in seven days. Make sure you follow at Lloyd A. Thompson, Twitter, Instagram. And we'll catch y'all next week. Check out the song. Once again, DJ AO. It's called Y'all Knew That featuring B. Keys. Part of my fresh.com. Peace. One, two. I don't know what y'all talking about. I don't know what y'all talking about over there. I don't, I don't know. Fresh high. And Reeboks like three Godzillas This feeling is like a detox when we box Feelings come out of your tooth, go see doc I'm too hot to handle, where's my bag? I'm a teapot like peacocks They fan out soon as they see the man now My team bipolar, if shit go up then it's a man down Hand out the window, wave my finger out to Benzo Another journal entry, put my life on instrumental Slim Jesus, chance of beating me is that narrow I stumble around the island, sip and run like Jack Sparrow Crack barrels on your head, I'm more Mario than a Mario Round me bunch of soldiers, they loaded up like Sicario Carry all your problems to the Don Master Palm blasting, iron the man now, I get them calm faster Them masseuses bumping boosie How they wipe me down Excuses, what I never hear I'm everywhere, this shit deadly is ever clear Sky's blue, grass green, but y'all knew that He's open doors, but y'all knew that He's got balls, but y'all knew that The beat's hard, but you press play, so y'all knew that All we can do is make you put your hands up Perrier sipping, a derriere dripping. Cause every MC that Perry get airlifted. The heir to the kingdom, be prepared for the ringer. They visually impaired, squinting stare, they can't see him. I van fleet him, lock him down like garage doors. The palm board breaker, my namesake is my mom's sword. The name Hardy, we party like animals, and it'd be hard to turn it off, regardless of any rule. Any rude, but an artist who found a god to be all that he could possibly be. I'm irresponsibly me. B. Keezy ain't easy as Sunday mornings, I'm greasy. Sunday cooking, y'all easily undergarnished Strap me up in a harness and send me out of a plane My target is your apartment, I'm landing on all your songs Games we never play, I rain on any day Propane on any flame, we taking every name with strangers Sky's blue, grass green, but y'all knew that He's open doors, but y'all knew that He's got 
bars, but y'all knew that The beat's hard, but you press play, so y'all knew that All we came to do was make you put your hands up Y'all knew that All we came to do was make you put your hands up Building for a minute, niggas rap, yeah, but I don't be 